This morning, first of all, we want to honor the king. We're going to honor some other people at the end of the service, and, and we, we love each and every one of you. But you know what? If we're going to honor one another, how can we not honor, first of all, the king of kings? Uh, the one who created us. And then even when we broke with him, did not just leave us to our own brokenness, but stepped down, paid the price to bring us back. What love that he had for us. And yet this was not love of a pitiful person who, who just wanted us to love him and was so uh, you know, insecure that he would do anything to bring us back. No, we are talking about the one who had all authority over all creation. He could have started over and just wiped us out. And yet he said, no, they are precious to me. And so I'll go and give my life. This was the king of kings. And today we look at the message of peace. This week we look at the peace of Christmas. Because in the end, this is what Jesus came to bring. The peace that will last forever. That word peace really is more than just a good feeling. It's more than just feeling at rest. It's more than just uh, solving a problem and making peace. The word peace is really wholeness, shalom. It is bringing everything back together the way it should be. That, that is the peace that God brings. And the thing that we're going to look at is that peace can only come from defeating the one that steals our peace. Peace is only one in a battle. Um, we know that peace is made uh, uh, from victory. And so um, let's uh, pick up our story in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Then Herod the king, and you notice it, it emphasizes every time it says Herod the king, heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, you Bethlehem in the land of Judea, you are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star. They rejoiced 
and ex with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him and they opened their treasures and they presented him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Here we see the acknowledgement of these wise men that they had seen the star. That star represented a uh, covenant that God was sending the king that was to deliver the whole world. And so they came looking for a king. They came looking for the one who was going to rule. Uh, they had heard the prophecies. Uh, they knew what uh, the scriptures had said. And, and so they were looking for that promised Messiah who would be the king of the Jews, but really would be the king of the whole world. Because we know that God had said out of Judah would all nations be blessed. It was out of Abraham that he would be blessed so that the world would be blessed. And with that recognition that there was a king that would come to make everything right, they worshiped. They opened up everything they had to him who would bring peace. Because here's the thing. Why do you look for a new ruler? Why do you look for someone uh, to become president, prime minister, king, governor, whatever it is? Because you're looking for them to make everything right so that we can live in peace. You see, that's why we try and pick the ruler that we want, because that's what we're hoping for, peace. The ruler's job is to bring peace. You see, they recognize that Jesus is our only peace. And so they came and they worshiped him. At Christmas time, we need to recognize that Jesus, not only does he bring hope, not only does he represent the love that covers us, not only is it a joyous occasion that we have new life in him, but you see, Christmas is a time that we recognize he is king. That he is the one that has the authority to make everything right. You see, unless you have authority, you can't make everything right. Right? There's a lot of people out there that, that, that promise a lot of things, but they don't have the authority to make it happen. We live in a world that whether they are elected or not elected or you don't know who's elected, they don't have the authority, even as president, even as prime minister, even as governors or mayors, they really don't have the authority to make everything right. They try their best. They do their best. But we need to recognize that Jesus is the only one that has the authority and the ability to make everything right in our life. And that demands our submission. That demands our worship. So as we just take a moment to stop and think of the wise men and their 
wise recognition and choice. Let's just begin to open our hearts right now. God, I just come before you and we pray that your peace would be born within us. That God, we would choose to recognize you as our king. That we would bow before you. That we would pledge allegiance not to the United States, not to uh, a, a leader that is uh, one of our own, but that, God, we pledge allegiance to the God who stepped down and become, became king, that you alone are our authority. God, we pray that as we acknowledge you, that you would bring peace into our life. And we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're, we've been looking at the story of Noah as it um, really exemplifies the same things that we are going through. That Jesus said, as in my coming, when I come again, it will be like the days of Noah. And so we've been looking at the days of Noah so that we can prepare ourselves in, in that way. And we have saw how Noah uh, received the hope that came from believing in the promise. We saw how Noah uh, received the love of covering um, for those that honored him. Uh, we saw the joy of new life as he escaped the judgment of the world and yet uh, uh, received a new birth as the earth was remade and the waters receded. Today, we're going to see the peace that God brought to him in the end, that this whole ordeal of the flood and the judgment and the destruction um, came to an end with a covenant and with a promise of God. In Genesis chapter 9, After they had come out of the ark uh, and they were once again on dry land, God had taken away the water. But how many know that if you had been through that type of traumatic experience where everything you knew had gotten destroyed and there was judgment. And yet, you know, even though you had been saved and there is gratefulness in your heart, there is still a little unease right because well what if god gets upset at me what if god just as much as he got upset at everyone else and he destroyed them you, you had to think that noah was walking on eggshells god i don't want to do anything man look what you did with this and and, and that could not have been uh, a, an experience of peace even though they were grateful to be back on land there would have been a constant unease uh, looking over your shoulder at everything that you did and yet this is what God stepped in. God himself made peace. He made peace by making a covenant. In verse 7, God comes to him and says, As for you, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons and said, As for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you. And your descendants after you 
and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, and all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And this is a sign of my covenant, which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I will set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters will never again flood or destroy all flesh. The rainbow will be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember this everlasting covenant between God and every living creature that is on the earth. You see, only God was able to promise Noah that everything would be okay. Noah had to realize how small and impotent he was. He barely escaped only by the grace of God that had warned him, that had given him the ability to build an ark. He didn't even know how to build an ark, but God had to show him everything to do. And so he realized the power that God had, that God had power over all creation. And so it was God himself who stepped in and made the promise. You see, it wasn't Noah that said, hey, God, let, let's make a promise here. I don't want to go through this again. So let's work something out. No, Noah could not do that. Noah could not negotiate peace. Peace could not be negotiated. God declared peace because he was the authority. He had won. He had shown his power over all his enemies. There was no one that could stand before God. He had already won the victory. And yet in that victory, he made a covenant of peace. That I promise with you that you will be covered. That every time I see this rainbow, I will remember my promise. See, it doesn't mean that Noah was, was ever going to earn this. Because this is why God said this. You know what? When I look at you, I still see sin. And as, as you begin to grow and multiply, God knew that, that we would still make a mess of this world again, right? And we have done that. But yet God has said, in my mercy, I'm going to, every time I see the rainbow, I will remember my promise not to destroy the world. And so, therefore, I will overlook your sin. And so peace reigned in Noah's heart. He had the peace because God had made covenant with him. And he was able to, to live out his life, to pursue his happiness. And yet we now live in that same place. You see, men multiplied on the earth and we have grown, but yet once again we have come full circle back to the same place where Noah was. Where God looks at the earth and there is nothing but wickedness. I mean, let's look around even our own nation. I mean, there is hatred and violence and greed and selfishness. 
And yet God is holding back um, because of his promise. But here's the thing. He desires justice. And so in his justice, he still will bring judgment. He will bring judgment just as he did in Noah's day upon those who refused his peace. And so just as he gave a sign of the rainbow, he has given us the sign that the wise men saw. That now is coming a person who will not only bring judgment, but that will win the victory over sin that keeps defeating us. You see, he didn't solve anything with the flood. Noah was just as sinful, and so that sin continued to carry forward. And so God knew that he needed to do something else to, to not just keep wiping out and wiping out and starting afresh, but that we needed to be changed. And we needed a king to defeat our enemies so that not the earth would be destroyed, but that we would be remade. And so he sent the king, a king that could come and defeat our enemies. You see, before we can have peace on the earth, we need to defeat the enemies of our heart. And so although the flood uh, uh, restarted the earth, it did not restart our heart. And so Jesus came as the only one that has authority to defeat our enemies of hatred and greed and jealousy and selfishness and uh, discontentment and all the things that we fight against. They steal our peace. We cannot have peace in our heart because of worry and fear. And yet Jesus is the only one that has authority to declare peace in our heart. And what has he given us? You see, the rainbow covered the world. That when God saw the rainbow, he would not send the flood to destroy the world again. With Jesus, Jesus used these same words that God used. When God said, I make a covenant with you, Noah, that you can be at peace because of that rainbow. Jesus, after he was born and was raised and one night sat with his disciples and as they took communion together and he held up the cup at the very end, he said, this cup represents my blood, which is a new covenant. It's going to be a new promise with you that I am the authority and I'm the only one that can say I will make an agreement with you that you don't have to fear anymore because I'm going to destroy the sin that's in your life. And here's how I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to shed my blood and give my life and pay the price for you. So that every time God sees me, when God sees Jesus, he remembers the blood and stops the judgment on us. What peace does that bring us to know that even though I'm broken, and even though I've messed up, and we all have, and we know it, 
we try and cover it up and we try and be good, but we know deep down that we're not good enough. Yet here's where peace comes from. Peace comes from the one person, the king of kings who had the authority to pay the price. And when he rose again from the grave, that proved that he had won the victory. See, the death covered it, but if he had just stayed dead, then he didn't win. But when he rose from the grave, that he is alive today, he is still a human alive today in heaven, making intercession for us. In other words, he is standing in front of God so that God sees him. That anyone who has pledged allegiance to that king has peace knowing that God will overlook our sin. Because when God sees Jesus, he sees the covenant, an agreement that Jesus will never break with us. You see, we break promises all the time. Sometimes we don't mean to. I don't want to. But how many know we do it? But Jesus is God. He is the divine nature of the one who never breaks his promises. And so you have peace that even in our brokenness, as long as he is our king, we are covered by a promise that will never be broken. That Jesus stands in front of God, God the Father. And he sends God the Holy Spirit to us to remind us that that promise is still good. You are forgiven. You are covered. We're not made perfect yet. We'll never be made perfect, but we will always be covered by the king. Now, here's the thing. That's the great news of peace. That is the great news that there is a king that has come and made a promise with us that he will overlook our sin. But how do we receive that? Because we know that not everyone is saved. Not everyone uh, is is going to receive that overlooking because we know that God says that he cannot tolerate sin, that he has been patient so that others would come to him, but that there will be judgment in this world. We need to follow the example of the wise men because it's the same example as any of us in the world. How many know that you receive the benefits of your ruler when you become a citizen of that kingdom, of that uh, uh, authority that the ruler represents. And you become that by submitting to that authority. You see, it's not a negotiation. It's not something you earn. How many know that, that you don't earn the king's uh, uh, acceptance? You simply pledge allegiance to it. You simply submit to it, right? You submit to the king and you are covered by his authority. Even nations that are defeated by another nation, how do they receive peace? By submitting. They sign a peace treaty. They sign a covenant. They submit to the one who has, has won the war. And then they receive that peace. Here's what we do. We simply submit to our king. You see, that's what the wise men were doing. They were coming and falling down before the king, saying, you are our king. We just simply submit to you. We acknowledge you. And in so doing, we worship you. The choice is ours. 
What king are we submitting to? You see, the wise men, they could have submitted to two different kings. Remember, he said, as we read this over and over again, it said Herod, the king. You see, Herod was the earthly king. He was the worldly king. But he was not the divine king. He did not really have authority. In fact, his authority was not even strong. It was given by the Roman Empire. And yet we have the same choice. We can either bow to the worldly kings or we can submit to the divine king who came and offers us that agreement. Who is the king of your life? Who do you submit to? Many of us, we've made our own hearts our king. We've made happiness our king. We've made pleasure our king, and we submit to that. Uh, many of us have made uh, uh, morality king. People want to be good people, but yet even being good is not our goal. We are to submit to the king, Jesus alone. How do we submit? How do we pledge allegiance? You know, we, we, we say those words, I pledge allegiance, but do they mean anything? And it's the same thing with Jesus. A lot of us, we've said the words, but they don't really mean anything. They don't mean anything until we do what the wise men again did. Not only did they choose the right king, but it said they opened up their treasures and they gave it to him. You see, they proved their allegiance by their sacrifice, by giving the treasures of their heart to the one who they acknowledged as king. If we are going to acknowledge Jesus as king this Christmas, and I think that's what Christmas is. It's an opportunity to come into the throne room and make him our king. To rejoice that we have a king who has freed us and given us peace. But we've got to open up the treasures of our heart. You see, for us to bow before Jesus, but yet to go back and to live in our, our own kingdom is like those who in the old days would, would bow to a king, but they were really rebels. They did not submit to the authority of the king. And so eventually the king came and, and destroyed them again. We need to not only speak the words of, of acknowledging Jesus and saying, I'm a Christian and I, I've prayed this prayer. But God says, do you open up the treasures of your heart? First of all, you see, they gave him gold because they said, God, you are king over all my possessions. You see, you're not just uh, someone I acknowledge as a figurehead, but you are my merry treasure. That I acknowledge you have you have rule over my money, over the things that I possess. Everything that I have is yours, Jesus. And then they gave him frankincense. What is frankincense? Frankincense was what they used to make the oil that the priests used when they went in and made sacrifices and burnt the incense. You see, that is... God, you are not only God of my possessions, but that I make you my high priest. You are the one that has control over my heart. That, that God, I'm, gonna, I'm going to put you as my number one emotional support. I do not find my identity, my self-worth in other people, other things, but it is in Jesus. God, I give you my heart. 
And then they they gave him myrrh. What is myrrh? Myrrh is what they use to prepare a body for burial. And, and it was in those days, of course, they didn't embalm them, um, but uh, they they would bury them and put the myrrh and everything that would would prepare them for burial. And and it was to uh, ease the the corruption that would come to the body. And it's the same with God. God, I give you my future, my my very life. And I make you king over my destination. Is God the one who rules over the hope of your future, all your dreams, your very life? You see, when we bring treasures to God and when we live in that worship, that's what worship is. Worship is not just singing a song, but it is acknowledging and putting God in that place of authority. And when God is in the place of authority, when Jesus is our king, then you receive a covenant because your king will watch over you. Your king has the job of taking care of you. You see, you don't have to worry about defending your own household, your own uh, country or land. That's up to the king. When you acknowledge Jesus as your king, I'm telling you, you can be at peace because God will defend you. God will fight for you if we have submitted ourselves to him. I want to read just a couple of promises. And these are the promises of the covenant that not only did Jesus make, but he fulfilled these promises of peace because he is our king. Isaiah chapter 9 says this in verse 3. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden. So he was saying there's coming a man who's going to break the yoke of our burden. He's going to be the only one that has authority to break the yoke of our enemies. And it says, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor will be broken in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy, no, noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel for fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. You see, God promised there's coming a child who will defeat all of our foes and he will be our king. We move over to Micah. Micah chapter and it referenced this in the uh, message that we read in Matthew it says now gather yourself in troops O daughter of troops he has laid siege against us see because 
All of this is in the reference of a battle because God knows that we are at battle with ourselves. We battle with the things in our heart. And yet it says that we will be under siege and they will strike the judge of Israel with a rod on the cheek. This is a prophecy that even though God is going to send a king for a moment, he will be struck on the cheek by our enemies. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth this one who will be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth has been from old and from everlasting. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide in him. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be our peace. You see, this was the one that was prophesied that the wise men saw in that manger. Jesus is the one who was struck in the face by the rod and yet overcame those enemies. As from the very first prophecy, he was struck in the heel by the serpent and yet he crushed its head with his, with his foot. Jesus is our king today. And as it is prophesied, he is our peace. We are covered by the victory that Jesus has won for us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. The peace of God. Not from just a baby that gives us a good feeling. But we celebrate peace that comes from the victory of our king. And we need to begin to recognize that great king that we have today. It's not our president. Thank God we don't have to trust in our the government of the United States. Thank God it's not uh, the governor of California. It's not even the mayor of Hopeville, but we have a king who has, first of all, brought peace in our heart. And here's the thing. The prophecy is not done because Jesus is coming back. He's not finished because we still don't have peace on the earth. But you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt there's coming a day when Jesus will return and then we will have peace on earth. And we will live the life that we've always wanted. We're not going to live as angels up in heaven at the clouds playing harps, but that we are going to live on this earth remade finally with a ruler who brings peace and righteousness and justice. And we will live with joy forever because of him. So today I just want to close with this. Who's your king? Who are you bowing down to? Who are you offering the treasures of your heart to? Let's be like the wise men. Let's, let's, let's reject the Herods of the world. And let's follow the star. And lay our treasures at the only king who can give us peace. Because he has defeated every enemy. Let's bow our hearts.